to the Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast with your hosts, Reese Downing and Jacob Workman. What's going on, guys? It is TNT Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast NFL Edition. Uh, it is the Super Bowl slash end of year recap. And it is also, coincidentally, our 50th episode. Um, so pretty rad that this is how we're ending uh, season one of Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast. Uh, thank you guys for joining us here. With me, as always, is fine citizen and co-host, Mr. Jacob Workman. Jake, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Other than we now have no football, other than our XFL, <laughs> USFL merge league that we're gonna have, I guess. But uh, pretty terrible time of the year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, as a hockey fan, I've got the Penguins. Obviously, spring training's coming up, so that's kind of exciting. But yeah, I mean, all things considered, we'll see what this product looks like with this XFL and USFL merger. Uh, no, f- that you know. Shitty football is better than no football as far as I'm concerned. So yes, I, I'd, I'd rather have that than nothing. So, um, all right, guys, well, let's, let's jump right into it here before we jump into recapping the Super Bowl, There are some news and notes that we want to cover here. Uh, first things first, the new Orleans saints appear to be ready to hire 49ers passing game coordinator, Clint Kubiak, who is the son of NFL coach Gary Kubiak as their new offensive coordinator. So that position looks to be filled. Uh, Tom Brady has been trying to buy a piece of the Las Vegas Raiders since mid last year, and it looks like it's pretty close to getting approval. So I'm guessing that here within the next few weeks, we're going to see that that has been approved and he is going to own a uh, majority share or minority share, excuse me, of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Next up here, uh, Hassan Reddick. This has been a little surprising. He has been given permission by the Eagles to seek a trade. Uh, I don't think we have all of the details right now on how that came to fruition. Um, I have done a little bit of digging on some of the teams that are our first man up here uh, to look at Hassan Reddick. Uh, Those teams being the Texans, Patriots, Colts, Rams, and the Lions. uh, Are a potential suitor for Hassan Reddick. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of teams out there that could be. Uh, benefiting from a pass rusher like Reddick, so we'll see where he ends up. <clears throat> the Seattle Seahawks, uh, they are hiring Ryan Grubb as their new offensive coordinator, and this is not too long after Grubb had previously accepted the same role at the University of Alabama. Uh, in addition to that, they're hiring former Cowboys assistant Aiden Durde as their new defensive coordinator. Before we move on here, uh, uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on this uh, shift for Ryan Grubb going from Bama to Seattle? Yeah, I hate it. I was really hoping he would stay with DeBoer at Alabama. Um, I was really excited to watch Jalen Milrow and that. I mean, obviously, I I think DeBoer probably is just going to take over and be the OC now, essentially, and be the play caller at Bama. I mean, obviously, we'll still wait and see what comes out. we got a little bit to go with that. But and I think DeBoer and Milrow will still be a great combination. But I really wanted to see that offense with those guys just because they've been together for so long. Um, it is kind of weird that DeBoer and Grubb will be separated finally, but... Um, I'm pretty excited to see what he does in the NFL. Um, obviously, I think I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago when I was like, why would I think on the mock draft they had J.J. McCarthy going to Seattle? And I was like, why would they not just take Penix and keep him in Seattle? Uh, well, now with uh, Grubb being in Seattle, it could be a possibility. And I, I would obviously welcome that. I would like to see that. But I I don't know. I, I, I do kind of wish, though, that he was still at Bama with the Boar. 
Yeah, definitely a, a little bit of an eye opener there for him to shift. Uh, do you have any ideas on who you think may be a suitor for the OC now that that's open in Bama? No, I really don't. I don't know if they'll try to bring in someone or if they'll just hire from within with one of the guys that came over from Washington. It'll kind of be interesting to follow that. But I I, I would say at this point, it would be shocking to me if DeBoer is not the play caller, though. Yeah, that's I mean, I think that makes sense. Uh, I, I didn't think about it until earlier today that Penix to Seattle sounds like that may be something that ends up happening. I know JJ McCarthy's name has been dropped there quite a bit for Seattle, but all things considered, you would think Grubb would want to go with a guy that he's comfortable with. Um, you know, the, the easy uh, install of the offense. That's- yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it'd be a, a smooth transition for him. Uh, Geno Smith, obviously is still there. So um, he, I don't think he's a horrible quarterback for Penix to learn under uh, there. They don't have totally similar styles, but um, I definitely think that that could be a good situation for Penix. And it's also an area that already loves him. So, you know, he's got a built in fan base. There's a lot of reasons why I think that works. So we'll see what happens there. We'll keep you guys posted um, as we learn more about the OC position at Bama. Uh, a couple other quick notes here. The Pittsburgh Steelers have released Mitchell Trubisky after two seasons with the team. Uh, Carolina Panthers have retained hero Evero. I believe is how you say his name as their defensive coordinator. And they've named Brad Idzik as their new offensive coordinator. The Los Angeles Chargers, shortly after our show last week, uh, have hired Greg Norman and Jesse Minter as their OC in D.C. Uh, Jesse Minter obviously is coming uh, over to the the Chargers with uh, Harbaugh. He was previously at Michigan as their D.C. They're also looking at former uh, 49ers linebacker and previous Harbaugh player Navarro Bowman as the team's new linebackers coach. I thought that was cool. I always like seeing uh, players become coaches, so that looks like that is in the works. <clears throat> The Dallas Cowboys have hired former Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer as DC to replace Dan Quinn. Um, This was a topic of conversation um, that we've been touching base on a couple weeks. Uh, Obviously, I've been pretty vocal about them wanting to look at Mike Vrabel. I knew it was kind of a long shot considering he's much better suited for a a head coaching role. I actually really like this hire, Um, especially when you're looking at some of the other guys that they were considering, uh, like Rex Ryan. I know that we had this conversation and I wasn't super thrilled about the fact that he was even getting an interview. I I like what Zimmer brings to this team. He's a very, very hard-nosed coach. Uh, We have a lot of young players on the defensive front, uh, particularly Micah Parsons, I feel like, will benefit uh, from a little bit of the discipline there. Uh, Zimmerman, or excuse me, Zimmer is one of those guys that's on the field uh, with the players, and I think that does have an impact. I know DQ liked coaching uh, from the press box. Having Zimmer down there uh, to be able to get these guys fired up, th- this was the exact issue that I had with the uh, the playoff game this year was the, the, the team fell flat when Green Bay went out front early and there was nobody on that sideline that was trying to get them riled up. Zimmer is that dude. He will be in your face screaming explicitives and telling you to get your ass on the field and, and play the right way and do your job. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works out for them. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be somebody that can be a potential suitor to replace Mike McCarthy uh, if that ends up happening. But all to say, I'm, I'm satisfied with the hire and I'm looking forward to how Dallas's defense uh, shifts to a, a style that I think is going to put Micah more as a, an off-ball and interior linebacker as opposed to being stuck on the line. He's going to be able to make more plays that way. Uh, let's see here. A couple more things. Former Giants DC Wink Martindale is heading to Ann Arbor to become Michigan's next DC after Jesse Mentor has left for LA to join Harbaugh with the Chargers. Bill O'Brien is also leaving the NFL for college as he becomes the next head coach at Boston College. Uh, 
The Baltimore Ravens have promoted pass game coordinator and secondary coach Chris Hewitt to assistant head coach. And finally, during the NFL honor ceremony, uh, Dwight Freeney, Randy Gratisher, De- Devin Hester, uh, Steve McMichael, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis, and Andre Johnson have all received or have been revealed as the 2024 Pro Football Hall of Fame inductees. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, any thoughts on any of the other news that we covered here, Jake, before we jump to the Super Bowl recap? Uh, now, just one thing that you said there, uh, Bill O'Brien was actually an interesting twist. He took the offensive coordinator job at Ohio State and then got plucked from there. So without even doing anything for Ohio State, it was kind of like those players that take the NIL deals and they're like, oh, let me back out and go somewhere else real quick. So he <laughs> uh, kind of just left them. So, yeah, new head coach at BC. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But um, nothing really else. Uh, the Lions did make an interesting signing today. Um I don't remember his name, but they had signed the Canadian, the CFL defensive player of the year. Um, so we're already addressing one of the biggest needs, which was adding to the pass rush with Aiden Hutchinson. Um, obviously, Matthew he'll be a future Betts. deal. Yeah, so Matthew, we'll see. Yeah, Matthew Betts is his name. We'll see if he can come in and obviously probably get some preseason looks and maybe he can immediately step in. But I like that we're already going after need, especially, I mean, CFL MVP, I think he had like nine sacks last year. All of his statistics were pretty good looking. I don't know. Obviously, the CFL is a little different the way they play, but seems like a good pickup. He had 18 sacks and 18 games for the BC Lions last season. And he's already a lion, so we'll take that. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I first looked at those jerseys, I was like, he played for Oklahoma State. I thought you just said that he came from uh, <laughs> Canada, but yeah, those jerseys look similar. But yeah, he seems like a stud. Hopefully, he transitions well. Um Dallas has a little bit of experience in that with uh, pulling Cavante Turpin into the NFL and he's done pretty serviceable. So um, yeah, he should be opposite side of Aiden Hutchinson. If That's he what they're starts. Thinking. Yeah. If he starts. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Right on. Um, well, I, I love watching teams like this make moves to grab guys like this where they can. So if they're trying to improve the, that I think that tells you where Dan Campbell and the rest of those guys heads are. They were this close to a Super Bowl, and they're already moving towards next season, which I love. Not that other teams aren't, but it's always good to see uh, those kind of things happen this this close to the uh, offseason. So, all right, um, let's jump into the Super Bowl recap. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 to in overtime. Uh, for the Super Bowl victory, Pat Mahomes was the MVP uh, with the win. The Chiefs become the first repeat champions in almost 20 years uh, with his sur- third Super Bowl win. Mahomes became just the fifth QB in history to win at least three Super Bowls, joining Brady, Montana, Bradshaw and Aikman. Uh, the Super Bowl win was the 15th postseason win of Mahomes career, which is the third most ever behind only, only Brady in Montana. He does still have a long way to go to catch Brady, who has 35 wins to Montana, Montana 16. So it looks like barring something crazy he'll pass montana next year but he's got he's got a little ways to go to catch brady uh andy reed is now just the fifth coach in nfl history to win at least three super bowls joining bill belichick chuck Knoll, joe gibbs and bill walsh uh and one last note here uh steve spagnuolo has now won four super bowls as a coordinator the most in nfl history with his fourth uh, being in 2007 with the new york giants so, um, obviously, you know, I think everybody except for Carter had the Chiefs uh, pick to win the Super Bowl. Carter went with the Niners. Um, let's hear your thoughts on the game. 
Uh, obviously, a little bit of a slow start. We had some uncharacteristic turnovers. We had McCaffrey fumbling, and uh, I think Pacheco was the other fumble. Both of them yeah. on driving. Uh, so those were little odd things to see at the start. And then uh, just kind of just a slow first half. Like it was, was kind of drawn out. It seemed like the first half lasted a long time. And the second half came. Uh, obviously, the blocked extra point was huge. Um, I thought the officiating was pretty good. There were some things that I didn't quite understand. There was an intentional grounding called that I will never understand how they called it. There was a receiver literally right there when the ball landed. Um, it was kind of questionable. And um, there was one other officiating thing too that I was like, what the, oh, the uh, 49ers had a diving catch and the ball clearly hit the ground when he landed. And I, we've seen obviously the Des catch and Calvin catch. And I, I don't know how that was a catch, but. I don't know. Again, overall, <laughs> though, even even for the whole playoffs, I would say officiating was was pretty solid. It was much better than the regular season, thankfully. Yeah, um, I agree. Late, late uh, drive down the field to tie the game for overtime. Obviously, I will never understand Kyle Shanahan taking the ball. Um, he did say in the postgame press conference that he wanted the ball third. That was his reasoning, which I I don't understand that because even in in my opinion, with as risky as Andy Reid is, like say the 49ers <clears throat> scored a touchdown, I think the Chiefs would have went for two if they would have scored. So he would have never got the ball to begin with. And I I don't know. You give Mahomes the extra down. Obviously, it was really nice to see Mahomes finally use his legs again. It was last game of the year, so we didn't have to worry about injury or anything. He had some huge runs, um, which he really hasn't had a lot of this year. So that was nice to see again. Um, but overall, pretty good game. Not really much more you could ask for. I wanted the Chiefs to win, so I like the ending. Um, in a pretty good football season, minus the Lions falling one game short. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I've, I'm going to touch base on a couple things that you said there. First, uh, the uh, so let, let's break this down. Just a, a couple notes that I have here. Christian McCaffrey and Jawan Jennings were definitely the bright spots for the 49ers. I do, uh, I do think that how Brock Purdy played was relatively impressive. He didn't have the best game of his career by any means, but he protected the ball against one of the best defenses in the league. Didn't throw a pick. You got to give him some props for that. Uh, the the Chiefs defense containing the 49ers on third down, especially, was key to them winning this game. And then keeping Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle as basically non-factors throughout the entire game was very impressive on the Chiefs side of the equation. Um, Mahomes ridiculously clutch when he needed to be. Uh, he went 16 for 22 for 54 yard, 154 through the air, and he picked up 59 yards on the ground in the last two quarters, including going a perfect eight for eight in overtime and throwing that game winning touchdown to Hardman. He also had an, a clutch eight yard run to convert the fourth and one, and then another 19 yard scramble in third and one a few plays later to keep that momentum going. Uh, to, the, to your point, like Mahomes knew at that point in time, like we're we're going all in. We're here to win this game. Uh, you know, the season's over. So let me use my legs. I can be a little bit more risky here. And it paid off. And it goes to show that he's the best quarterback in the league. Um, very, very, very strong performance from Pat Mahomes. <clears throat> uh, the 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 Shanahan thing. I, I'm confused by it too. With the with the new rules guaranteeing one possession to each team. I would have given the ball to the Chiefs and put the pressure on them to produce something meaningful. And when he was asked about it, his exact quote was, this is something we talked about with, you know, that none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through the analytics and talked to those guys and we just thought it would be better. We want, we just wanted the ball third. I don't, 
that I don't understand. No I don't understand how you can look at the analytics guys. The analytics guys are like, yeah, we want the ball third. Like if you score a touchdown in Kansas city to their point, uh, I think it was Chris Jones that was being interviewed after the game. And he was like, even the defensive guys knew mm. give the ball to the opponent. If we get to overtime and if we do get the ball first, we're going for two. If we score that puts the pressure on the other team, that's exactly how San Francisco or yeah, San Francisco should have done it. Now we have two overtimes in Super Bowl history, and both of them have Shanahan's name attached to them as as really blunders. Like they didn't, that wasn't well coached. Um, well, and they so played that, when they got down inside the ten when they had the ball. The Niners they were very conservative too. Like right. they almost played for the field goal. So it was like, what kind of? I, I didn't understand a lot of what they were doing in overtime. Yeah, I think in w- there were a couple different uh, 49ers guys that talked about there. Like there were multiple players on the team that didn't fully understand the overtime rules. You can't go into a game this important and not make sure that your entire team is prepared. And that I mean, but clearly the coaching staff wasn't even really thinking about it. So, and see, and was, I think that's I think that's where the issue is. Uh, so I was listening. Uh, Matthew Stafford was talking about it, and he was like, he's like, I don't really think I can fault the players because. He, he was like, there's players on our team that wouldn't know what the situation was either. He was like, but that's also not our job. He was like, that's the coach's job to know. Now, right. on the flip side of that, Mahomes was like, I mean, they've been prepping us for this for like six weeks or even longer. And he's like, it's something we talk about in team meetings all the time. So I see both sides of it, but the coach definitely should have to know what's going on, especially a coach in the Super Bowl and one that's been there before and lost in overtime. So you would think that those would be pretty like knowledgeable things, but I mean, to his defense, he never, I mean, he never said anything about not knowing the rules. He came out and said that he wanted the ball third, which I, I, I apparently he hasn't watched much college football. That's, that's the only thing I can really think of when it comes to that. Yeah. I don't know what's worse, admitting that you didn't know the rules fully or admitting that you wanted the ball third. I just, he, yeah, that I don't understand because you're not, you're, you're, you're wanting something that's not guaranteed. So how, how does that, I don't understand right. how that works. Yeah, let's let's focus on things that we know are going to happen, which is each team is going to get at least one possession and go from there. And then the the third situation happens, then you pivot and adjust. Um, yeah, that that was that was surprising. Um, last few things I have here. There's been a lot of uh, fuss made about the whole Travis Kelsey Andy Reid thing when Kelsey went up to him and got him in his face. I I think it's been blown out of proportion. I have seen Kelsey lose his cool a couple times on the sidelines this year, and I do think there's a fine line between being passionate and being immature. He's tightrope walking that a little bit, I think. But I do think that if anything, the way that he approached Reed shows you how close Reed and Kelsey are because he's not going to do that to a coach that he doesn't like intensely love as as a coach and just as a human being. I I I think this is, you know, just one of those things where people are are blowing this out of proportion for clicks more than anything. But I don't I didn't take any issue with it. I looked at it as Kelsey's pissed off because he's got one yard and one catch in the first half and he doesn't like how things are going and he wants to win another Super Bowl. Like I, I get it wholeheartedly. Uh, well, last thing I have, oh, I was gonna say, and there, there was, I don't think it was a playoff game. I think it was a later in the season game. There was a time when he slammed his helmet on the sidelines and someone was going to pick it up for him and Reed, Reed saw it. And he was like, he told the person not to pick it up. And then he kind of, he said something to Travis at that point too. So clearly it's, I mean, I don't think it's an issue. It's, it's a coach and a player and they know their relationship. And obviously this is, that was the biggest stage. I mean, you're, you're going to have some confrontation. I mean, even if there was even a situation, I think it might've been second half when uh, I think it was Rasheed Rice and Patrick Mahomes were even talking shit back to each other. And I mean, that's just things that are going to happen. This is, that's the biggest game of the year. And I, 
and it's football. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, the media talks to talk, but it's football. Get over it. Yeah, I, I don't. Again, I don't think that there was anything wrong with what happened. I think he could have approached it a little bit differently. I mean, there's a difference between having a difficult conversation or raising your voice when you're passionate about something and running into your coach or slamming your helmet. Like at some point in time, you have to be a little bit of a role model for some of the younger guys on the team. But again, I think it's it's a bunch to do about nothing. Uh, the last note that I have here, unpopular opinion, Harrison Butker should have been in the MVP conversation for that game. This dude was responsible for 13 of Casey's 25 points. He went four for four, including a 57-yard bomb that broke the record for the longest field goal that was set less than a minute into the second quarter by Jake Moody. Uh, he ensured Chiefs' possessions ended in points even when they stalled close to the end zone, and they did that multiple times. He kicked the field goal to tie the game and take it into overtime. Harrison Bucker was a difference maker. I knew going into it, there is no way possible they're going to give an MVP to a kicker. But if anybody other than Pat Mahomes should again, it, it should have been Harrison Bucker. And you take Harrison Bucker out of that situation and put in the Money Badger or oh, one Jesus. of the other. Yeah, I mean the nah. game would not have ended up the way that it ended. So it, I understand why Pat Mahomes got it. He's he. It's the popular thing to do to give it to the quarterback more often than not. I actually threw money down on Janarius Sneak getting it, but we didn't end up getting those picks that I was up before. So uh, all in all, I think it was a really good game. Um, I do hope that we don't see Casey in San Francisco in the Super Bowl again next year. I would love to see some parody going into that, but we're going to talk about some some early guesses here uh, shortly. Um, let's go in here to the end of year recap stuff. Just to recap this, uh, now that we're on the last uh, episode of the season, uh, we've touched base on this already. My final regular season record was 137, 130, and five. Jake was 131, 136, and five. Uh, final lock record for me was 15 and three. Final lock record for Jake was 12 and six. Uh, a majority of those uh, losses on the six, I think, came in the early half of the season. He hit a hot streak there towards the end. Uh, and we both finished eight and five in the playoffs, uh, as did uh, Texas. So congratulations to Texas. He he kept pace with us at eight and five. Uh, Carter ended up at five and eight. And uh, Scott ended up at five and seven just because he wasn't able to uh, to make the show and, and make his picks uh, before the end of the year. Uh, do want to give one last shout out to, to Texas, Carter, Scott, Ike, all of you guys that have taken time out of your schedules to join the show uh, and talk some football with us. We, we can't appreciate you guys enough and we're looking forward to having you guys back um, as we jump into season two uh, next Hope, year. Hopefully we get a uh, draft night appearance from most of them also. Yes. Yeah. And we'll talk about what that's going to mm. look like here uh, at the end of the show. Um, all right. Uh, so we, we also took a look at our preseason picks. Uh, so Jake and I went through and picked uh, coach of the year, offensive, defensive players of the year, offensive and defensive rookies. We whiffed on every one of those except for defensive rookie of the year. I picked Will Anderson, so I got that one right. Uh, all of the other ones we missed. But if you look at these names, like I think all of the players that we had listed here, including Dan Campbell for coach of the year, uh, were right up there uh, for uh, potential selections for for those roles. So, um yeah, hopefully we'll we'll hit it a little stronger next year. But yeah, outside of Will Anderson as the defensive rookie of the year, we whiffed on everything else. Uh, we did do pretty well on picking out the preseason games or the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Jake ended up going 10 of 14. So he almost did a clean sweep in the NFC, if not for New Orleans. Uh, he had Detroit, San Francisco, Dallas, the Rams, and Green Bay, all as selections for the NFC. I had Detroit, San Francisco, and Dallas. I whiffed on New Orleans, Seattle, and Minnesota. 
And then looking at the AFC, <clears throat> excuse, or in Philadelphia, excuse me, I skipped Philadelphia there. Uh, on the AFC side, Jake had Baltimore, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Miami. I had Miami, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Baltimore. Uh, so pretty pretty on track there on the AFC side of the equation, but we both were over 500 on the teams that we thought were going to make it. Uh, Jake would have done really even better as would I have for the wild card spots. If uh, Rogers hadn't gotten hurt, because we both had the jets in there and obviously that <laughs> went away in the first drive of the season. Yeah, so pretty quick shit happens. <laughs> uh, but overall we performed pretty well. Uh, really happy with how we performed on those locks, which is most important. Uh, so moving into next year, we'll continue doing this. We'll pick the locks of the week and do all that stuff. We are going to try to get a little bit more aggressive in terms of trying to publish this stuff on our social platforms next year. Uh, so we'll try to get those out in plenty of time with some nice graphics. So you guys know what we're leaning in on for uh, betting for that week for both NFL and college. So that's a wrap on the uh, the regular and postseason here for this year's NFL. Uh, before we sign off, we want to have a quick little talk about next year's stuff. Uh, so I'm going to hand it off here to Workman. We're going to look at some betting odds uh, for Super Bowl and draft picks and maybe some a couple other things here. All right, so uh, we're going to go over some early odds for the Super Bowl next year. Um, they're already out. The early favorite is the San Francisco 49ers at plus 500. Um, the Chiefs are obviously second at plus 650. Ravens coming in at third at plus 900. The Lions, the second highest favorite team in the NFC at plus 1,200. Uh, Buffalo is plus 1,200. The Cowboys are plus 1,500. Uh, Cincinnati, obviously, will be getting Burrow back at plus 1,500. The one thing that kind of surprises me here is they've got the Jets at plus 3,000 with Rodgers coming back. Um, obviously, the Rams are plus 3,000, too. Just kind of skipping around here. Uh, just some early things that I like. I, I do think the Rams are going to be very good next year. I think they'll reload for one final big run. Uh, Reese, just looking at any of this, do you see any of more of the underdog picks that you like instead of the heavy favorites here? Oh man, underdog picks. Uh, I mean, if I had to go for uh, way too early selections on Super Bowl, I'd probably lean towards Baltimore and Detroit. But as far as the the long shots, a little surprised at where the Rams are sitting at, just because of, of some of the the young talent they've uncovered. They're only going to get better next year, uh, so a little surprised that they're sitting at, at three thousand, especially when they have the Chargers sitting there at the same bet betting line. Um, I'm interested to see how Harbaugh uh, gets uh, gets that team to perform from an offensive standpoint, but I do think the Rams have more talent on their team right now than the Chargers do, so that's a little surprising to me. Uh, watch out for that Chicago Bears plus 4,000 to shift, depending on how that trade ends up or how these draft picks end up. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, I think, plus 5,000. You know That could be a, a, a short-line favorite for a team to make some noise on the AFC side if they can stay healthy. I mean, other than that, this looks to be pretty reasonable. Carolina sitting at plus twenty five thousand. Man, that's that's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad. Um, anything anything surprise you at the top? Obviously, so we've got. Uh, I'll just go in conference order. So the number one in the NFC is the Niners. Number two is the Lions. Number three is the Cowboys. Number four is the Eagles, and number five would be the Packers. Uh, for AFC, number one is the Chiefs. Number two is the Ravens. Number three is the Bills. Number four is the Bengals. And number five is the Dolphins. 
Uh, Buffalo is the one that sticks out to me just because I don't know what Buffalo is going to look like next year. I mean, there's still rumblings that Stefan Diggs doesn't want to be there anymore. I still don't think they found their, their long-term solution to, to running back. They still have a lot of gaps to fill outside of Stefan Diggs, even if he does stay. Um, defense can't stay healthy. Josh Allen's Josh Allen. There's going to be games where he looks like a third stringer, and there's going to be games where he looks like the best quarterback in the league. That's the that's the glaring one to me uh, is them sitting at plus twelve hundred with the Dolphins sitting at plus two thousand uh, in the same conference. I think Miami is still going to have more talent in Cincinnati for that matter. I mean, with Burrow being healthy, I think that they're a better team than Buffalo. So that's the that's the surprising one to me. I do love that the Houston Texans are getting some love at twenty five hundred. Um, Houston Texans and Green Bay both sitting there uh, at twenty five hundred. I think is. Uh, you know, kind of pinpoints the two young quarterbacks that are probably going to be making some noise here in the next few years on the AFC and NFC side. So we'll see how things net out there. Uh, but yeah, I definitely say Buffalo sitting at plus 1200 is the, the most surprising thing here. Yeah. If I, uh, if I were putting a bet down right now, I don't, I don't know what I would, honestly, I would probably just play it safe and do the chiefs at plus plus six fifty. Honestly, I, I think that they're going to be very good again next year. Uh, I know it's not the the sexy thing to do, but at the beginning of the year, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it when you did our recap, but both of us picked the Chiefs over the Eagles in the Super Bowl, which was a replay of last year's Super Bowl, or well, two years ago now. But the um, I I don't know. I just I think it's hard to bet against the Chiefs right now. We've seen what they do, and they they were pretty young. Like I I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of turnover on that roster. If anything, I think they're just going to be getting better. So. I think if I were bidding right now, I'd probably do the, the Chiefs plus 650. I do like the Lions plus 1,200 also just because we should be returning quite a bit also and just how close we were. But the NFL, I mean, it's tough to get back there, so we'll see what happens next year. But uh, just an early look there at some of the Super Bowl bets. Uh, we're going to switch to the draft now. Um, so for the draft, number one overall pick, uh, Caleb Williams is still the clear Far and away favorite at minus 1,200. Um, next is Drake May at plus 900. And then uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus 1,600. I'm really not going to go over any of the other guys. The odds are, well, Jaden Daniels is plus 3,000. Once we get past him, the odds are all very, very long. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think everything here makes sense for the most part. Um, I'll be very shocked if Caleb Williams isn't the number one pick. Now, whether or not he goes to Chicago or a team that trades up is a different situation, but I, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Caleb's going to be the, the number one pick. Uh, the only way that that may not happen is if Chicago makes some move to trade the nine spot, decides to keep Justin Fields, they trade the nine instead of the, the one, and then they go after Marvin Harrison jr. Um, which immediate difference maker if they go that route. I just don't see it at this point. Yeah, for sure. That would, I mean, that is an interesting, I mean, at plus 1600, that might be worth a shot just to see if that's something that would happen. I just, I just don't know if the bears would ever keep that pick to not, I just think they could trade and get so much for it, but obviously it's the bears. So they're not going to make a great decision by draft Mitch Trubisky again. So Dallas Turner, number one, <clears throat> So, uh, all right, so we'll go to number two. So the number two overall pick right now, um, odds on favorite is Drake May at minus 175. 
Uh, Jaden Daniels is plus 200. Caleb Williams is plus 1,000 just because they're not anticipating him being there. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. at plus 1,400. Everything else kind of gets a lot longer odds there. Um, I, I kind of like the Jaden Daniels at plus 200 here just because you never I, – I don't think Drake May is that clear in a way, the, the number two overall pick. Plus, this is pre-combine. And I think Jaden Daniels' numbers at the combine could really spark him to shoot up the board a little bit to get up to the number two spot. So, uh, plus two hundred for Jaden Daniels at number two, I don't think is too bad of a pick. Uh, what are your thoughts on number two? Yeah, I think plus two hundred for Jaden seems to be the the most likely scenario. Um, again, you know, potentially throw some money down on Marvin Harrison Jr. if he's going to be sitting there at two plus fourteen hundred is a, a nice bet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you put a hundred on him at one or a hundred on him at two. I mean, you're either going to get, I guess you take a hundred off those. So you'd either get 13 or 1500. I mean, that's not bad. No. Uh, so these other ones that they have listed, we're just going to run through real quick just because they're kind of, they're all player specific. So the team to draft Bo Nix, uh, the Broncos are plus 260 in the favorite, which is a little odd to me. Vikings plus 470, Raiders plus 550, Saints plus 750. Everything else gets a little longer at that point. Uh, what do you think of Denver for Bo Nix? I mean, where are they picking? I'm I'm looking at the so they're in they're on the 12 spot right now. So he would have to be bypassed by the Vikings, who are going to need a quarterback, and the Falcons, who are going to need a quarterback. And I'm assuming that Drake May and Jaden Daniels are gone already. There were rumors. I think it was more when Belichick was going to be there. I don't know if these are still legit rumors that Kirk Cousins could be a landing spot for the Falcons or even um, Justin Fields if that were to go down also. Yeah, the Justin Fields to Atlanta, I think, makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. So I'm assuming that Atlanta is going to come into this spot needing a quarterback. And if they do need a quarterback, and I'm looking at the quarterbacks that are left on the board. <sighs> I mean, where, where do we have Atlantis plus 1000? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a bad bet for Bo Nix to land there. Uh, the Denver Broncos does make sense. Um, you know, I think that that offensive play style that Sean Payton has may fit well for Bo Nix. Um, but they are sitting at the 12th spot and the Vikings are right behind them. So he would have to fall a good bit, I think, to end up in Vegas, right? Because Vegas is sitting at... 13. Okay. So they would have to be by, he'd have to be bypassed by Denver uh, in order to make that happen. I just um, think he's going to take a drastic fall. Like, I don't think he's going to be an early pick. His, his arm strength is not there. He doesn't have the NFL arm strength and he's not going to be able to make a deep throw really in the NFL. And I think that's really going to come out. Like I don't really have a team specific, but if I were to try to throw a bet for the Bo Nix pick, I think I would pick down at one of these random, I, I don't, know exactly who just quickly looking obviously they would still need to be a team that need a quarterback maybe like the titans or the cardinals like something like that just a or even the giants just like a random team that i don't know i, I just can't see him going to one of these top teams yeah i mean mel kuyper has him listed as the sixth best quarterback available behind caleb Jaden daniels drake may jj mccarthy and michael Penix. So yeah, I would agree with that. I think sixth sounds about right. That's what. So with that, with that case, you're right. Running, throwing a, I mean, 
Tennessee, Washington. Yeah, that's, yeah I mean, like, like let's that say area. Washington, yeah, yeah. Like, let's, say, let's say Washington, because they do they have two first-round picks? Uh, I don't believe so, but I'm not positive. Okay, yeah, so they just have the two spot, but that doesn't, I mean, this is this is to where the team that's going to draft them, it's not first round, right? So right. let's it's say, just the, let's just say the Washington, yeah. yeah, so let's say Washington pulls the trigger on Marvin Harrison Jr. and decides to, let's say, let's things fall where they may. That could be an opportunity there. Um, I don't see him going to Detroit because they have Hendon Hooker already. The Jets. The I can see the Jets, yeah. The Jets could pull the trigger on him. Uh, I mean, he's not the I, same player as Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have Aaron's arm, but no, I, I do think I do think that like for money purposes, if you were to actually throw a bet down, you have to look like early to mid second round teams that would still potentially need a quarterback. I think that's where you're going to get the value with him. Yeah. Well, for what for what it's worth, uh, in Kuiper's last draft um, or his last mock draft that it came out at the end of January, they had he has a uh, Layatu Tutlatu, however the hell you say that guy's name. Le- going- Layatu Atlatu, I think. Layatu Latu. Yeah. Um, he they have he's got him going twelve to Denver. Okay. So he does not have. He does not have Knicks getting drafted in the first round, um, which isn't surprising. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't either. All right, so let's move to Brock Bowers. I know we talked a little bit that the Chargers would probably be a favorite. I do not know if they are the favorite. Let's see. Yes, so the Chargers are the favorite. The Jets are second. The Colts are third, which I think were all teams that we brought up when we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, everything else kind of a little bit of a long shot. Yeah, I, I think that those top three teams that are the favorites obviously are who you have to look at. A lot of the stuff I've been seeing is the Chargers. Um, Colts, obviously that would be a great pickup also. I haven't really seen the jets, but that it is a position of need there. Uh, you share the same thoughts for Brock Bowers. Yeah. Uh, I'll be surprised if he falls any lower than 10, which is where the jets are setting. So yeah. Indianapolis will be very, very lucky if he falls all the way to 15. Right. And I think that, I think for the Colts to get him, it would probably have to be a trade up scenario. I I'm not sure he could fall that far, but no, he's not, he's not falling out of the top 10. I'd be shocked. Yeah, me too. Um, next, JJ McCarthy. Uh, we've got Minnesota as the favorite, Broncos second, Vegas third, Seattle fourth, Rams fifth. Um, everything, well, Falcons sixth. Everything else after there gets a little bit longer odds. Uh, what are your thoughts on JJ McCarthy? I've I've not been overly impressed with JJ McCarthy. Um, I've talked about it a lot on the college podcast. Uh <sighs> I don't know, man. I I think him and Bo Nix are going to cost some guys their jobs. Like yeah. I, I would not draft either one of them. Yeah, Denver. Denver is the team that I was looking at there. I don't think he goes to Seattle. Um, potentially go to Vegas, but why would you draft him to go up against Aiden Hutchinson? I don't see that. I mean, are there's some rumors of there's a potential uh, quarterback that may land in Vegas, right? I can't. I'm. I'm drawing a blank on who that is. Uh, it was Russell Wilson. Was the talk that okay. was one of. But, <clears throat> but we don't know a lot what's of going on the, with that. Yeah, a lot of things up in the air still. Um, I w- I would avoid that plus sixteen hundred Chargers. I think that's probably going to be a somewhat popular pick because of Harbaugh being there. But right, they have Justin Herbert. They have absolutely no need for JJ McCarthy. So, no. Um, 
And if I'm JJ, I don't want to go play behind Herbert because I'm never going to play. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think he's, I think he probably will end up being a first round pick. I, I don't think he should be, to be honest, but people are higher on him than I am. I just, him and Bo Nix, I would not be taking either one of those guys in the first round. Uh, next, we've got Michael Penix Jr., which, if you listen to the college show, is one of my favorite players. Uh, we've got the Falcons as the favorite, Seattle as second. So, with Grubb going there, Seattle has moved up to second. Uh, the Vikings at third, which all actually, we've got the Raiders fourth, and they all have pretty similar odds there. Uh, the Broncos and Steelers, the odds get a little bit longer, and then the Bucks at plus 16, Patriots at plus 16. Um, Falcons, we just talked about a little bit ago. Obviously, we've got to wait and see if they end up getting Justin Fields or uh, who was the other one we mentioned with them. I don't even remember now. But, oh, uh, Kirk Cousins. So either one of those two end up in Atlanta. Uh, Seattle, uh, we talked about this earlier with Ryan Grubb. Obviously, this would be the dream pairing. Bring him in, pair him with his college OC at two different schools, and he's ready to go already. He already knows the offense, and I think he would fit in well. That's his hometown for the last couple of years playing for the university of Washington, uh, taking them to the college football invitational this year. Vikings. I would hate to see just because I don't really want him in the division. Um, but it is what it is. If he ends up there pairing him with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison would be great. Uh, Raiders again, put him with Devontae Adams. Uh, he, I've said multiple times, Penix is the most accurate thrower of the football I've ever seen. He's so accurate. So, uh, any offense that has a weapon, I think he immediately becomes, a uh, a great player to come in for your offense. Yeah, I, I, I think that Atlanta could potentially be a good spot for him. I also think that the uh, Raiders could potentially be a good fit. Um, Tampa is another option there uh, and they're sitting at plus 1600. Uh, I don't know what their move is with Baker, uh, but it's it sounds like Baker's going to be coming back. But well, well, so I think Baker's going to be resigning because they went out and made the move. Unfortunately, if you heard our podcast, uh, I don't know what week it was, but a long time ago, the college episode, I said I really wish Liam Cohen would be the next head coach at Ball State. Uh, well, that didn't happen because he's back in the NFL. He went from the Rams OC to the University of Kentucky, which he was already at before. So he's been two stints, University of Kentucky, been with the Rams. Uh, he was Baker's OC the week that Baker came in, was on Thursday Night Football, led the Rams to a victory. Uh, now Liam Cohen and, Cohen and Baker Mayfield are going to be reunited uh, in Tampa, which I think will be good. I like Liam Cohen. I think that's a good hire. Um, so I think Baker will still be the quarterback in Tampa for that reason. I think uh, they brought him in to pair with him. So let me ask you this. Um Matthew Stafford getting a little up there in age. We don't know how much longer he's going to be playing. Penix falls. You think that's a fit potentially draft him maybe second, third round. Oh, well he was there that late. Yeah. I don't think there's a chance in hell Penix lasts that long, but if he were to fall that far, yes, but uh, the Rams have some other needs they need to address in the draft. And I don't think quarterback, I, I think Stafford, I think he's probably got two years left on the safe side, maybe one year left if they were to win a Super Bowl. But I, I would say he's probably playing two more years. Um, so I'm not sure I would run the risk of a reach at Penix for that early when they've got some other needs they need to address. Yeah. My my only concern, I mean, he's durable as hell for being as, for as banged up as he constantly is. Um, but getting a quarterback now that can sit behind Matthew for a couple of years is not a bad idea. Yeah. 
So we'll see where he ends up. Um, I think I can't remember where he had uh, Penix listed in his in Kuiper's rankings, but well, that so the I do remember it was a little further, but I think that that was because the grub hire wasn't it hadn't happened yet. I think they had JJ McCarthy going to Seattle in that mock, and yeah, they did. Yeah, and so with I think grub there changes a lot. I think that's a huge deal. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's why it's. I think it's kind of surprising that they even have Atlanta. I I don't know that Atlanta is going to wait for the draft to figure out what they want to do with their quarterback position. So I just don't think they're going to roll the dice to try to see what falls at eight. So I think that potentially puts them out of the running, which puts Seattle at the forefront. And I think it makes a ton of sense as we just talked about with Grubb. So, yeah. Uh, last one, Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously, he's going to be one of the top picks of the draft. Uh, he is a favorite of minus 195 to the Cardinals, so obviously they are pretty heavy on that one. Uh, Patriots are second at plus 470, Bears at plus 500. Uh, everything else gets a little long after that. So obviously, Arizona, Patriots, Bears are where we're pretty much looking here for Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'll be shocked if he goes to anybody other than Arizona because he's – I think we talked about this last week or the week before last. I think he's the best player in the NFL as far as this draft class is concerned. Um, when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be the best one. Um, I, I don't, I just, I don't see him going. The only, I would never, I would say steer clear of the New England Patriots side unless they decide to make a move somehow to, there's no quarterbacks out there for the Patriots and Mac Jones is not the answer. So they're going to have to grab. Jaden Daniels or Drake may or Caleb, like whichever one of those three quarterbacks falls to the Patriots has to go to New England. It doesn't make any sense for them to not do that. So I think that eliminates them from this equation. So then you're looking at the bears and what we just talked about was there is a slim chance that Chicago decides to stick with fields and maybe they move their ninth pick instead of their first pick uh, and decide to go with a, a Marvin Harrison. So if that ends up happening, then you're looking at plus 500 for Chicago, but I just, I, I, and they, I think Vegas sees the same thing. That's why Arizona is the only one that's sitting here at negative because I think it's a long shot. He doesn't end up in Arizona, which kind of sucks. Cause I, I hate that he's going to be stuck playing with Kyler uh, in, in that Arizona market, but we'll see. And that's, that's the other thing with, with you saying that you think he'll be the best player in the draft. I, I honestly, and I've said this for a while, I don't think he's the best receiver in the draft, but it is a lot of it's going to depend like the NFL, obviously what team you go to is yeah. what's going to run a lot of it. I'm still a huge fan of Roma Dunze. I would take Roma Dunze over Marvin Harrison jr. I pretty much said it all season in college football. Also just, I, I just really like Roma Dunze. I love what he does. Um, he will probably end up being a top 15 pick if I had to guess still. Um, but yeah, with this Marvin, I, I just think by default, you probably have to put him in Arizona. Um, I'm a little sad to see the lions at plus 19,000 for him. Cause I, that'd, <laughs> that'd be, that'd be quite the pairing, but, uh, uh, yeah, the, I don't know how the hell Dallas is up at plus 11,000 other than just the fact that they're higher end up one. Now, one thing that we could consider here is the chargers at plus 1900. And the reason why I say that is let's say we see Caleb Drake may Jaden Daniels go off the board and Arizona decides that. Brock Bowers is going to be a better long-term NFL product than Marvin Harrison. So they decide to pull the trigger on Brock Bowers pairing Marvin Harrison jr. With Justin Herbert would be absolutely insane. So if you're trying to find a flyer there to make some money, 
plus, you know, LA Chargers at plus nineteen hundred. I don't think it's that much of a long shot when they're sitting no, five. I, yeah, I don't either. And with with Keenan Allen being a little older too, and uh, I, I don't know, Mike Williams. I think Mike, Mike Williams, Williams almost he's older also too. Yeah, he, and he can't stay healthy. Yeah, Mike Williams is hurt all the time. Los Angeles Chargers depth chart outside of those guys. I mean, well, I know they have. Um, they drafted the kid from TCU too. I think last yeah. year. Yeah, that's name, why I was but... trying. I'm trying to remember his name right now. That's why I was trying to pull up the depth chart. So yeah, that would put if if he did go to Arizona. Just while we were looking that up, so that would put Kyler Murray with Marvin Harrison Jr. and um, Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown if he is still there. Um, that's a decent offense, I guess, but. The NFC West is so good that I think they're still the worst team in the division. So I don't know what that changes, but yeah. So the the Chargers uh, drafted Quentin Johnston from TCU. Uh, yes. Quentin Johnson, That's, yeah, yeah. Who's he's a big dude. He's six four two fifteen. So he's yeah. he's a solid player. Joshua Palmer has been there for three years now. He's out of the uh, Rocky Top. So they've got those two guys. But outside of that, it's Keenan Allen. They don't even have Mike Williams is listed here, but he's twenty nine. He's going to be entering his eighth year. Keenan Allen's going to be entering his twelfth year. I uh yeah that wouldn't be bad that would be a that, good fit for them yeah that would be that would be a helpful fit for them and talk I mean if I'm Justin Herbert I'm ecstatic for that so but do you think that Michigan man drafts Ohio State man <laughs> it, yeah I think he's an idiot if he considers that being an issue with drafting any player but if he wants to go that route I mean hey you never know if I was a head coach or a GM <laughs> I would I would have my my yeah, I know you, the the best player in NFL history could be on the board at number one. And if he were a Gator, you'd be like trade no. number one. Yeah. yeah, I don't want him. I don't want him. All right. So that closes out our draft talk. Um, obviously, the only thing we really have left is we're going to do a uh, Super Bowl prediction for next year already. So, Reese, uh, what what is your AF? Let's go by conference. What is your AFC team for next year? Oh, man, I thought about this a lot. I keep going back and forth on whether or not I want to go realistic or if I want to go what what I hope is going to happen. I'm going to go with what I we're talking early. So let's just let's just do it all. Just do what you want to see and what you think will happen. Let's do both. Well, what I would like to see is for the Lions to move the AFC and then the the Cowboys to play the Lions in the Super Bowl. Um what I would like to see what would be Detroit or Dallas versus Baltimore. I, I would like to see that. I think either one of those teams I would be happy with. Obviously I would prefer Dallas there, but love what Detroit's been doing. Dan Campbell made me a fan after episode one of hard knocks. Um, I've been following this team since, since we were in elementary school because of you. So I do have a place in my heart for the lions. Um, the, the super bowl I would like to see would either be Dallas or Detroit versus Baltimore. What I think is going to happen is going to be Kansas City, and I don't want to say San Francisco, but it's, I mean, one of these teams is going to have to get over the hump of these. I mean, the, we've got two dynasties. If they keep these t- these teams together, Kansas City's team is not going anywhere. They're young on defense. Uh, Mahomes and Kelsey are still Mahomes and Kelsey. Rasheed Rice, I think they've found their potential number one receiver. So if they can give one more complimentary uh, guy on that offense, I think it's just going to bolster them further. 
uh, on the San Francisco side of the ball, they all obviously also have a ton of, of, of really solid talent and they added Chase Young mid season. So having him there for a full season is going to help out even more. Um, they, they have a pretty young team too. So what's the most likely going to happen? It's going to be San Francisco, Kansas city. Again, it's going to be another boring ass super bowl by all accounts of not having new teams in it. Uh, what I would like to see happen is Dallas or Detroit versus Baltimore is what I would like to see. So I think I'm, I think I just have one prediction and it's what I want to see. And it actually is kind of what I think might happen. Um, well, oh, there's two teams, but I honestly think that the lions might be all right next year. Uh, it's going to be very, very tough to repeat what they did this year. Obviously the NFL is, is a lot. Um, I think there's a stat. I don't remember off the top of my head, but we play like, uh, shit. 13 or 14 of 17 games inside next year, uh, which is huge for us. Um, I think it's, man, I don't remember if it's 13 or 14. I, I know it's like 80% of the games. So it's a ton of games inside next year, which is very beneficial to us. Obviously, there are defensive things that need addressed. I think bringing back Ben Johnson and AG, the OC and the DC are huge. Uh, MCDC and Brad Holmes have been just absolutely killing off seasons. Obviously our drafts have been crazy good. Even when people want to talk shit about our picks, um, we could have three guys essentially been rookie of the year this year. So they, they did pretty well. Um, rookies were starting everywhere on the field and being very successful. Um, draft pick obviously is a little bit worse this year, picking at the end of the first round. I think golf's going to get restructured. That's going to open up some money for us for free agency. I think we'll still be able to bring in like one or two big free agents, uh, which is huge um, because we're not that far away. Offense is pretty much set. I think we need to bring in a receiver. Um, that's about it for offense. Defense, there's some holes to fill. Um, that's going to be the big question. But offense, the offense being completely set and bringing back Ben Johnson, um, I'm pretty happy with that, especially with the amount of games we're playing inside next year. So I NFC for me is going to be the Lions. Um, it is a little bit of a homer pick, but obviously we weren't that far off this year. So it's it's something that I think is realistic. I think my AFC pick is going to surprise you. Um, I'm going Cincinnati. I think that Burrow comes back. I love what the team is. Like, they have the weapons, and I think that they're, like you mentioned it when we were talking about it, that they were better than Buffalo when healthy. I think they're way better than Buffalo when healthy. Like, I don't even think it's close. Um, and Cincinnati has been the team that's proven they can actually beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, too. So I I I think I'm gonna go Lions Bengals Super Bowl. Uh, and I know it's crazy, but uh that that's that's what I'm going with. And if if that were to happen and the Lions were to beat Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati will be my new favorite team in the NFL because Stafford would have won a Super Bowl beating them and the Lions would have won a Super Bowl beating them. So <laughs> I, I I will be the biggest Cincinnati fan on earth in that case. But uh, that that's my uh, way too early prediction. I like it. I like it. Cincinnati was one of those teams that I thought about. Um and I, I think they can they can give Baltimore a run for their money if Baltimore I mean if it's Baltimore Cincinnati I here's what I would love is Baltimore Cincinnati as our AFC and Dallas Detroit as our NFC and then whatever happens from there I don't care I mean I obviously I prefer to Dallas to win the Super Bowl but right. um on the upside or the on the downside of that if we make it to the NFC Championship Mike McCarthy's going to keep his job so I don't I don't know how I 
That's true also. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's those are solid picks, man. I really it was really, really a bummer to see how many really solid quarterbacks got hurt this year. I think it's crazy. It sucked. Um, I surely Burrow's not going to go through this again. Uh, I mean, the poor dude. I, I really hope that he's able to stay healthy. That that team. I, I've been a huge fan of Joe Mixon for a, a long time. Um, he's he's been one of my staples on fantasy football that I always go get because he's always got solid production. Um, he's still young. Uh, obviously, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, like that's one of, if not the best, uh, receiving room in the NFL. Uh, they've got a really solid offensive line that they built up to protect Burrow, and that defense played pretty well. Pretty well, all things considered. Uh, and I think that you saw the 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 solidification of that offensive line when uh, Jake Browning stepped in for uh, Burrow. Yeah. He didn't he didn't play bad last last year or this no. year, I guess. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's protected. He's got time to be able to make reads. Um, so all, all those things considered, I don't think Cincinnati's a, a bad pick at all. Um, yeah, man, Detroit Cincinnati, I think would be a hell of a Super Bowl. I just, I, I'm just hoping for some parody. I, I just props to Kansas city, because if I was a chiefs fan, I'd be like, kiss my ass. We're going to win every one of them, you know, uh, but and I, and I don't even doubt it. Like I go into the season thinking the chiefs are going to, they're so damn good. Like uh, I'm, <sighs> Me and I, we've watched some bad Chiefs teams back in the day. With We knew the Chiefs would get the ball with two minutes left in the game, and Trent Green would drop back, and we would wait for a strip sack fumble to end the game. We call it the Trent fumble play. It ended the game so many times. We watched that numerous times. Priest Holmes was obviously awesome during that era, and that was very fun to watch. But then it was like Alex Smith, which he had great years there. Um, God, who else? Brady Quinn, I, I think he was there. Uh, or Chase Daniels. I, I mean, just all the... The Chiefs went through it. Like it's not like they've just been ridiculous, but Mahomes comes in, Andy Reid comes in, Kelsey comes in, and my guy, it's just been unbelievable what they've done. And I I truly think that they're gonna bring back Eric Bienemy. And that's that's not what other teams should want to see is him back in that offense. Yeah, I'm just going back and looking at the Kansas City quarter, uh, quarterbacks before Mahomes. So obviously Alex Smith is who got surplanted. Chase Daniel was the backup there. Matt Castle was the starting quarterback Castle. for four years. Yeah. Uh, Brody Croyle got it for a year. Before Jesus. that was Damon, Damon Heward. Trent Green, obviously, through the 2000s. Uh, you had big Elvis Gerbach there uh, in the late 90s. Uh, Steve Bono. And then before that was your dude, Montana. So, God. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Chiefs are uh, they're obviously the blueprint right now, and they're what you want to be. Uh, Spags killing it with that. The improvement of the defense this year was huge. Um, uh, and like I said, I mean, I, they did now Chris Jones, we're going to have to get that money figured out. Uh, that obviously is a big deal again, that we're going to be talking about. Um, offensively though, the, the receivers were young. They're only going to get more, more experienced, kind of like the Packers. Uh, their receivers were very young and going to get more experienced. Um, but it's nice to have the veteran leadership with Mahomes and Kelsey to go with them. So I, I just think that, it's tough to supplant the chiefs right now. I mean, obviously no one wants to hear that, but I mean, I'll watch them every week. I love what they do and they're very exciting. Anytime I can watch Mahomes play, I'm going to watch him play. Uh, give me 10 shots of Taylor during the game. I love that also. So any, <laughs> uh, anything we can get for the chiefs, I'm, I'm there to watch. I don't, I don't mind it. I like them. Yeah. I mean, looking at, looking at uh, their free agency 
uh, list, it's Chris Jones is at the top of that list. You know, his AV is 19.5. And then the next guy in line is Mecole Hardman at 4 million. So, and that which, dives down uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which they don't need to re-sign him. I mean, no. they've got they've got Pacheco, so they can find a, a rookie quarterback in the sixth round to play backup. Uh, McKinnon will be gone more than likely. Uh, Legereus Sneed is a guy that I think they're going to try to re-sign. Right now, he's making less than a million dollars, so that's probably going to cost them a little bit. Yeah. I do think what? that uh, what's his name uh, Holmes, who's the guy who runs their GM. Kansas City's GM came out and said that his two guys that he's targeting to take care of first are Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. Yeah, um, I don't remember. I know the Hunt family is the. I don't. I don't remember the GM's name, but Holmes is the Lions GM. But yeah, uh, I would really love for Legereus Sneed to be a Lion. That's my big hope in the off season. But I think well, he's going to be a big one, and Chris Jones obviously are the two. I, I think Jones they'll probably be able to work something out with, unless something just rubbed him wrong with the way the beginning of this season went. But I. I I don't know. I would be surprised if honestly, I'd be surprised if they don't keep both of them. Like, why would you not want to play there? Like, I, I don't know. I, I would want to be there. So. Uh, looking at looking at Detroit's free agency, Romeo Aquara right now is your guys' number one free agency. He's making 12 three. Yeah. And he hasn't done the, we have their, the brothers. We have both of them and neither one of them have really done a lot. So it wouldn't Chauncey, surprise me. Chauncey's a free agent. So you guys are going to have to take care of him. Yeah. CJ GJ is going to be a big one. Um, he, it, 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 there was a lot of talk earlier that, that he wouldn't want to stay, um, but he's kind of hinted a lot now more recently. And he got the playoff run. He got the experience of the Detroit crowd after missing like the whole damn season with the injury, which really sucked. Um, but once he really got the crowd and he he realized what Detroit was, uh, he's he's kind of taking it in a lot. I, I think he might actually stay, which would be huge. Keeper release Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, uh, well, he was out all year, so that that was another. Well, we we got CJ GJ and we got Mosley, and they both missed like the whole damn year. So that's part of the reason our secondary was so young and inexperienced. But um, I, I think that's more of a money thing. If if the money's right, we keep him. But I I don't know it. I, a lot of it also is going to go into what other free agents we can get too. That's obviously we can get Legarius Sneed. We're not keeping him. Right. You know, that makes sense. And I mean, outside of that, you guys have some pretty low level as far as, as um, players I believe, are concerned. I believe Jonah Jackson. I think one of our big linemen is a free agent, but that's it. I don't remember. Jonah, Jonah Jackson is going to be a free agent. He is listed yeah. here, but he's pretty far down the list in terms of the, the value well, of the contract. He's, yeah, he's, he's important, though. We need him back. That's yeah. Charles Johnson is the second guy on the list at six point five. Or Charles Harris, yeah. excuse me, Charles Harris. Um. <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, you guys are in better shape than what Dallas is. We've well, got and, Ty- and Tyron we're Smith restructure off too. Yeah, we're, once we restructure golf, we're gonna have even more money. So, yeah, so we've got Tyron Smith that's sitting at twelve point two. Tony Pollard ten. Get him out of there. I'm done dealing with Tony Pollard. He's not a number one. Stefan Gilmore, not the same Stefan Gilmore that he used to be. He's thirty three. He'll be thirty four next year. I don't know that. There's yeah, not even keeping him there. Uh, I wouldn't not for the, him much. Not for the cost. Um, Doris Armstrong, solid player. I would like to see him back. Jaron Curse, I'd like to see him back, but he's getting up there in age. Jordan Lewis, Don, Dante Fowler Jr. Hankins is probably gone because he's sitting, he'll be 32, 33 years old. Uh, he's not demanding a lot of money, um, but I don't know that he's going to be there. Neville Gallimore, 
So we're going to have some openings on the defensive uh, line side of the equation. But for us, it's Tyler Biotish, who has been our center. We need to find a replacement for him. And then Tyron Smith, man, like Tyron's one of my favorite all-time Cowboys. I don't want to see him wear another jersey, but the dude cannot keep healthy. So I just wonder if this is his last year and he hangs him up because of that. I mean, he's not, he's 33. So he's, he's already getting up there. Um, yeah, maybe you always hope for something like a player coach kind of situation. Um, that's, that wouldn't be the first time Dallas has done something like that, but yeah, we need, we need to get younger. Uh, Zach Martin's getting up there in age too. We got some age problems on the Dallas side of the equation, but yeah, just you talking about O linemen and potential retirement. Uh, there was one that I heard for the 49ers, uh, Trent Williams could potentially retire. So that would be huge. Also a lo- big loss for the 49ers. Yeah, there's a. I wish we would have gone through and listed. I mean, who are the biggest uh, free agents? Well, actually, I think I can filter that out here. Uh, let's take a look. Yeah, so Kirk Cousins is being probably, you know, like he's he's the number one dude there. Um, Ryan Tannehill is listed second. Leonard Williams, Chris Jones, we just talked about. Daniel Hunter is going to be a free agent. He's currently on Minnesota. Mike Evans, uh, Odell is going to be a free agent. Carl Lawson, Buda Baker, Kelsey obviously retired. I hope Odell goes back to the Rams. Adoree Jackson, uh, he is going to be a free agent. He's currently on the Giants. Uh, that would be a solid pickup for somebody. Marcus Davenport. Derrick Henry is one that has been rumored to Dallas quite a bit. Um, Josh Jacobs, that's a name that I haven't heard a bunch about. Uh, he, he had a... I think a little bit of a down year compared to previous years, but him, Saquon, Tony Pollard, the, the current group of running backs is interesting to see how this all nets out, especially because I hope that what happened with Detroit and pulling the trigger on a first rounder clearly was a difference maker for that offense. I hope that opens things up a little bit on the, in the, on the NFL draft and people aren't scared to, to, to pull the trigger on a, a running back. Cause if you can get four serviceable years out of them, I mean, yeah, the, the only thing I'm just trying to think of college football real quick. I, I'm trying to think if there were any, uh, maybe I, I, Blake Corum, maybe like I'm trying to think of a running back that could even, uh, I don't even, I don't remember Blake Corum's going back to, Michigan. I don't think he no, is. He's he's no, he's listed as he's currently listed on the big board for PFF as third. Uh number one is Jonathan Brooks out of Texas. Uh his overall big board ranks okay. 64. Uh Trey Jonathan Benson. Brooks was a stud. Yeah, Trey Benson from Florida State. Obviously, you're familiar with him. They've got him listed at two. Big board rank at 86. Blake Corum is third. Um, big board rank at 95. So he's in the top 100. Uh, and then a couple additional guys here, uh, Bucky Irving from Oregon uh, and Audric Estime from uh, Notre Dame are the, so, the the two of the top five. Jesus. So if those are the guys we're talking about, like there might not be a running back picked in the first two rounds of the draft. Like that's legitimate. I, I love Trey Benson. Trey Benson, I think is going to be a great NFL player. I think Jonathan Brooks will be a great NFL player. Obviously he's coming off of an injury. Uh, Corum, I think, can be good in the right offense. Um, Bucky Irving was very good at Oregon and Audrick estimates just gigantic, but I, man, uh, those are the guys like I literally might not be surprised if we don't see one until the third round or a late second. 
Yeah, you don't have you don't have a lot of those big name players coming out of like there's not a, a big name coming from Bama or LSU or Ohio State or any of those guys. So um maybe that's a next year 2025 draft. Yeah. Yeah, and this year is obviously it's quarterback heavy. I think next year's draft is pretty shitty when it comes to quarterbacks. So any team remotely thinking of quarterback this year, I think this will be the year that we see a trade up for maybe like a Penix or something like that, a guy that's lingering around. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. Uh, we'll, we'll see what I, I, I mean, I think it's by all accounts, it's Caleb Williams, Drake may Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison and Brock Bowers are going to be the first five off the board. It's just a matter of what order. Yeah. And then, and then Alt will be interesting first lineman that should come off the board. It'll be interesting to see where he goes also, because any one of those teams could be like, Oh, maybe we just want to build the O line. Like, I mean, look at what the lions have done. Lions built their O line and, Jesus, look how good it is. Like, obviously, they've shown what a huge offensive line can do for you. Yeah, I've seen, I, I've looked at so many mock drafts. 85% of them have him going to Tennessee. Um, Fashanu is the other one that I keep seeing in the top 10. Um, and then uh, the dude from Oregon State, Fahuga or Faluga. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Uh, that's, the, that's the other guy. And then uh, Latham from Bama. So, yeah, well, uh, I, there's probably going to be four or five uh, linemen that go in the top 15 to 20. But I think those first five are going to be Williams, May, Daniels, Harrison, and Bowers. And it's just a matter of where things net out between now and the, the draft. So, Well, speaking of the draft, that might be the next time you see Well, it will be the next time you see us. Yeah, yeah. So that is going to be the next time you guys see us. So we're planning on uh, the draft is April 25th. Um, We are going to be coming at you guys live. So we are going to kick off a half hour ahead of the draft. So we're going to be uh, going live around 730. And the plan is to do a quick recap on uh, any of the, the prominent NFL news that we've missed between now and then. Uh, any of the shifts that have happened in the draft picks, we're assuming that there may be a couple trades uh, here and there that may happen between now and April, uh, but we'll get you guys caught up on all that. And then Workman and I are going to be coming at you live. So we're going to be hanging out with you guys for a few hours, um, having conversations around each one of these players that comes off the board in round one. Uh, periodically, we're going to be bringing in uh, some of the guys that you guys have have seen in the show. Uh, so we'll be we'll be tapping in guys like Taxis and Carter and Scott, and maybe uh, Ike uh, and maybe even a couple other people uh, to periodically jump in and just have a conversation about what's going on. Uh, and yeah, we're going to cover live with you guys the first round of the draft. So that's going to be our next episode, episode 51. And I guess technically yeah. we'd be kicking off season two of uh, TNT Tuesday Night Touchdown podcast. So um we're, we're the, the draft some- is a long night, so ride with us. Come, come enjoy it. I mean, it, yeah. it's not going to be like a show. Obviously, it's going to be conversation and picks and guys that come from. Well, probably won't be any guys from Florida or Miami, so we won't have to worry about that. But the uh, just fun conversation, a lot of fun way to watch the draft. Like it'll just be a whole different experience. I think it'll be it'll be it'll be a fun time, and we won't spoil <laughs> the picks either ahead of time. We'll do it live on TV, also. That way, we're keeping with that. Yeah, we'll we'll keep it live there, and um, I'll I'll look into see if we can maybe set something up to where we could you know maybe take some phone calls for somebody that maybe wants to join the conversation but can't join live. Uh, formatting is probably going to look a little bit different. I think we're probably going to be looking at a different podcast format for next year as far as um, how we how we produce this stuff. Um, we had some technical issues as, as those of you who have been following us all year have seen, <laughs> uh, I think most of those technical issues have been for the most part hashed out, but 
uh, all, all things considered, we're, we're going to continue to come at you guys. Uh, we've enjoyed doing that, doing this this year. Appreciate everybody that's uh, given us an opportunity to listen and uh, hopefully make you guys some money. Uh, we again are going to lean in more heavily on the, the social aspect of things and try to, to give you guys some stuff that you can share down your socials to hopefully grow our, our fan base a little bit more, but, um, all things considered, man, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Jake here, but I've had an absolute blast this season. Um, it's, it's been a highlight of my week to, to be able to pull all this stuff together and, and have conversations with you guys generally about NCAA and, and NFL, uh, and not just the betting, but just talking football. It's just been, it's been a lot of fun. So, uh, Jake, any, any last thoughts here before we wrap season one here? I mean, yeah, just what you just said, obviously very fun. There's nothing better than, I mean, in the college, I mean, we're talking ball state games, Fresno state games. We're talking mountain West games. We're talking just like <laughs> games that you just don't hear about people talk about. So it's, it's nice to be able just to throw it out there and people can listen, bet on it, get some insight. And I mean, the amount of random crap you hear, listening to our college show, just from teams that you would never hear anything about. And then the NFL side, I mean, we had a ton of fun with it. Obviously, both of our teams made the playoffs. That made it more fun. Um, college was awesome. My team was undefeated and won the conference, which was huge. And then obviously got screwed, which kind of ruined the end of the season for me. But uh, overall, great year. Uh, I mean, obviously, you don't really have a true college team you root for. But the three teams that we do root for between college and NFL all were successful seasons, which made this a little bit easier. I would say if the lions were in 16, I don't think this would have been as enjoyable, but Hey, don't, and, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't short my fandom for the ball state Cardinals. The ball, oh, the ball state oh. mighty Cardinals are my college football team, whether you like it or not. I know okay, it's matching, well, but all right. So then three of our four teams had good seasons. <laughs> hey, hey, we turned so, around that second half. Cleo Kelly yeah. stepped up and gave us a, a solid second half of the season. So I'm not complaining about it. We'll see what happens as we move into 24, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. But no, overall, uh, 51 episodes, uh, a lot of fun, a great special edition interview with uh, our friend Coach Overholt of Delta High School. Um, that was a lot of fun, uh, the only specialty episode we did this year. Uh, so, yeah, overall, for the people that listen, though, uh, thanks and uh, just continue to share. And especially when we come back in April um, with the draft and the college previews and NFL previews, um, just come back to us and share it all. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun again for season two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for a uh, fine citizen, Mr. Jacob Workman, this is Captain Reese Downing signing off for the last episode of season one of TNT Tuesday night touchdown podcast. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys in April. See ya.